gotta give a shout out to my team gina uh, you know as the time of recording this it's the night or the day after yep the national All championship it. game and so i gotta give props to ku who made it to the championship when no one else thought they would had a great run a great season and then even competed pretty well i think they could walk away feeling pretty good knowing that yeah K- kentucky was the better team all year long everybody knew that so <laughs> Is it really a surprise they won? I know. Everyone loves a little Cinderella story. And I think they really enjoyed that underdog role, that nobody talking about them role. Yeah. I grew up watching the Gonzaga Bulldogs at home in Spokane. So when they were Cinderella, you know, for a few years they're Cinderella, but then it's old news. But speaking of Cinderella, also we were watching the um, slam dunk competition with college kids Mm -hmm. right about, you know, last weekend and this guy was just five nine from little tiny Martin Methodist right here near mm-hmm. me and in, in Tennessee and his roommate his his uh, best friend who was there with them her his sister was playing volleyball with Kristen so we were all sharing a hotel room watching these guys compete and sure enough James Justice won the whole slam dunk competition as the dark horse and he was a, and he was a short man. He was so awesome. And that, that's what makes him even more impressive when when a short guy can mm-hmm. get up there and dunk. It's so much more impressive than you know a guy that's 6'9", getting up yeah. there and standing on his toes and dunking. I know, with no vertical. This kid had a vertical leap of about 60 inches. That's just <laughs> unbelievable to me. Yeah, vertical, horizontal. That makes me think about sex. <laughs> and this is Sexy Marriage Radio. Yes, and then we said, you know, let's talk about sex. <laughs> Dr. Corey Allen and Gina, and Gina Paris. Paris. This is Dr. Corey Allen. And We're your hosts for Sexy Marriage Radio. We're not married to each other, but we do represent some 42 years of marriage, I think. I don't know. A long time. I got 22 years under the belt. How about you? We got 19 next month. All righty then. So it's so welcome to the show. We'd like to talk about sex and marriage and putting them together and having a lot of fun and making it sizzling, sexy, and sacred. How about that? That's pretty good. So if you want to hear from us, or actually rephrase, we want to hear from you. We and the way to. you can find us is send us an email at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. We'd like to answer questions from you, from our listeners. Anything that's on your mind that we can speak about, we would love to. Or you can call us at 615-56-66. Oh, thank you, Corey. You're so welcome to the (laughs) wordsmith, Gina, not the number person. I know. For all you number people, it's 615-56-67-3996. See, she can't even get it. She's she's just got to go 56-66. But my problem is I would spend more time at the telephone trying to figure out what number correlated with what letter tell me the number i'll dial it isn't that funny welcome to the male and female brain ladies and gentlemen (laughs) we are different (laughs) amazing so i got a question for you and this is this is based on some of the feedback that we've gotten uh through the several months of of this show okay that at one point, and I don't remember which show this was, it was probably the gender roles, I guess, that we did a couple of shows back, that we got to talking about the idea that 
being a leader and being a follower, mm-hmm. which isn't popular in popular culture, I think, at least <laughs> talking about it. Right. Or about- maybe even living it, because it seems like that's not politically correct. To have a man be the head of the home? Well, if you want to go with that way, but I think even just the idea of somebody being over someone else, you know, the, a hierarchy, so you know, that obviously there's the top and there's the bottom, That which, yeah, yeah, I don't know if people really fight over who's on top, who's on bottom. That's a good fight, by the way, to try to, to, to figure that one out, but... Oh, I got distracted for a second, but it's one of those that uh, <laughs> if if uh, if you do have the discussion over, you know, where does the buck stop, if you will, on on who who is the head of the household, whose responsibility is what, who's but in in that all a discussion on one person being over another to a degree. I think that the more we want to be leaders anywhere, the more will understand that it's about being a follower somewhere. No great leader operates without being a great, excellent follower. True. And anyone, the only ones, we, I think we touched on this before, the only setup that ever tried to allude to one leader was the Fuhrer. Who's the Fuhrer? Not Mr. Uh, Hitler. At Adolf. Adolf, the Fuhrer, <laughs> where he had no leadership over himself. Right. So his thousand year kingdom only lasted 12 years because he's incapable of following and throughout history all the major quote-unquote kingdoms have collapsed and crumbled yeah either from the weight of the way it was set up or the person in charge dying (laughs) (laughs) i mean which it's still then you know that that's kind of if you look at that as a business model some business models are set up that if -hmm. there's the cog being mm-hmm. whoever's in charge has to have their finger on everything. Right. Not as much business is done and it's not as effective as Absolutely. to, you know, as, as what is it? Was it Jim Collins, the, the good to great guy? Yeah. That he talked about if you're a level five leader, you're able to step back and let other people shine and let yeah, other people absolutely. make decisions and let other people kind of work and do what they're responsible for. And you don't have to be a part of it. And in that kind of what family's about, Yes, it's, if you're the cog in the wheel, you're the clog in the wheel. Oh, very, very good catchphrase right. right there. Absolutely. So we can't just be this control freak and everything. Right. Because if so you that, are, it's gonna, it's gonna just clog the works. Because nothing can get yeah. done without you. Yeah, it's no fun. So think about people that are control freaks, and I hear this in the frustration of some of our emails that we receive people are so frustrated they're used to being able to control and manipulate their surroundings and when a guy cannot manipulate his wife to have sex with him he's just like going insane and that sounds so bad when you say i'm going to try to manipulate someone else into having sex with me but mm. isn't that really what we do sometimes oh i think we're <laughs> we tend to want to get our way men mm-hmm. want to have sex a lot of them want to have sex more than or the whole high desire spouse, whichever. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you can go, I think you can go stereotypical men. Yeah. I mean, I was just talking with a, um, a friend and she, she made the comment. I, I shared the story of a family that had 
created this way to communicate about sex that they created they put this really nice candle in their living room or their kitchen which was the middle of the house and anytime one of them was interested in sex they would go light the candle and that would let them know let their partner know hey at some point today i want to get with you and be naked you know or whatever and and so she made the comment i think if we did that the candle would be lit all the time by by, by him you know and it's yeah, I can understand that. I, I told her I had a candelabra of like six candles, and they just were, you know, it was a flame. <laughs> so they, they express your range of desire. <laughs> like a one candle. Hey, that would work. You could <laughs> no. say one of them's just kind of the slow, nice, romantic. One's just the down and dirty. One's just, eh, that might work yeah, out. Yeah, I like this. What do you do if you huh. have them all lit? That means you, you can even have a quickie, and it'll be fast and furious, man. <laughs> I don't know if it'd be furious, but it'd be fast. Okay. So, but it's, it's one of those, what is it that makes us not want to discuss at times, maybe the idea of I'm a leader or I'm a follower, meaning I'm above somebody or I'm under somebody. Insecurity. Okay. Because there's no way people who are secure are totally comfortable in their role as a follower. It makes your faith greater for everything, even if you need miracles. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that because I think there is something about, if you get into this idea, which I've written on before, of um, the power of doing and being done in sex. Okay. Yes, yes. That, I remember that because you did not use the F word. But that's what I'm talking can. about. Yeah, but that's what I'm talking about. I know. It's, yeah, it's well, just a raw. Your yeah, it's just your audience was so offended. Yeah, it's just a raw, animalistic, powerful power over someone side of us. And I think we all have that. I think we all have that within us. And I think that's a God created part of us. But that we want to be done or do something. No, just just that idea. And so when you're talking about that concept that there's some pleasure that can come from having power over somebody to, to know that I can provide pleasure to my wife. That's a powerful thing. Yeah. On the flip side of that, to be pleasured, to let her have power over me. Sometimes that's a little scary to think about, to say, I don't know if I want to just totally let go like that. I don't know if I want to just totally whatever. And, and that kind of goes into the idea of the gift giving, isn't it? I mean, if you take it out of this context of sex completely, most people enjoy giving gifts. It's kind of the socially acceptable, appropriate thing to do with the certain circumstances and whatever it is. And that's, that's the whole, the whole thing that just cracks me up. You give a gift, you have to write a thank you card whatever and then so i have tried to at times get my wife to write a thank you card for the thank you card because <laughs> uh. <laughs> where does it end it's kind of funny that way but it's the idea of it's it's easy to give something mm-hmm. it's harder to just receive something a lot of times that's that's my belief of human nature is that true you think i think for some people it is okay for other people grew up as the center of a of the universe maybe so maybe they're used to receiving all the time okay 
But how how often do you think people get and, and personalize this, Gina? How often do you get a compliment over something, and you and you struggle with trying to rationalize it or downplay it or not just accept it? Yeah, it's been a long time since that was an issue, probably because of the way it was explained to me. But I I hear what you're saying that it is human nature to not want to be really what it is is being indebted to somebody. Okay. And and in order to actually build really profitable relationships, we actually want that. We want to create indebtedness that comes and goes. Sure. So where you're saying where does it end? Hopefully it doesn't end. Hopefully it creates this ongoing, you know, relationship that's very enduring because eventually if one person doesn't reciprocate, those connections start to die out. Right. Even just on a social level. Well, that gets into the exchange-based concept of, of relationships. I know. Unfortunately, it's quite real. Yeah, it's all the time. I mean, one of, the, one of the, the one question or one of the questions that I ask that I get the most mileage with with couples when they start explaining their relationship dynamic right. is I ask them where they put their scoreboard. You know, where, where is the physical thing? You know, where is the big jumbotron scoreboard? in their house because that helps them kind of get a conceptual view of what we're talking about of, well, I did this. So therefore you need to do this or I did this. So you owe me or, and that's just exchange based relationships and, and no relationship works out well when it's based on that. Hmm. Cause it's yeah. not fair. <laughs> no relationship is fair. I know somebody always will be giving more. Sure. But let's, I think they are good, healthy, actually. Exchange-based relationships? Yeah. Go for I it. I think that when we're all, if we're always in relationship thinking how we can give and give, I, I think it's okay. okay. Knowing that but, there will be an exchange somewhere. Knowing that there's a heart, really, every, every time I'm giving, I'm sowing seed into somebody else's abundance. And from somewhere, either from them or somewhere else, I'll receive greater abundance. I believe right. it's well, just part of a whole spiral of yeah, that's, life. I think that's more holistic. Right. In in the way you're describing it there. Oh, then, hey, dude, I cooked you dinner. Well, it's the idea of, okay, things have been going bad in my family, maybe. my Let's say my marriage, I've had, we've had a rough spot. And so I create this romantic right. um, night out. Right. But the reason I'm creating that romantic night out is because I'm interested in some sex. Yeah, absolutely. And so hopefully that cure-all date mm -hmm. takes care of all the rough spots. Yeah. So in order for our sex life to rise above that level of this exchange-based thing, somebody's going to have to be willing to give without attachment to these outcomes. Right. It's the no-strings-attached giving. It's, it's yeah. love. It's the love-based giving. Yeah, it's the, I'm going to take the risk because this is part of who I am and I'm just going to give. Right. So let's talk about then this whole giving is giving an act of a leader or an act of a follower. Yes, <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's talk about giving in in our sexual relationship between a husband and wife. Okay. Because a lot of times people are really hung up with what they're not receiving. Okay. So they're focused on the fact that they're not getting stuff back. 
yeah. rather than on what they're giving. Right. So we get emails, you know, how long do I continue initiating if I'm going to always be struck down? Um, and then sometimes the low desire spouse wants to know how the heck am I supposed to get into it when I'm so stressed out? So where do we go from there? How, how can we just strip away all the expectations and just connect because we love being together? I don't know if there's an easy answer to that. Right, I don't either. Just because what you're, what we're talking about there is such em emotionally charged. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's I mean, what's created the scenario in the relationship is not a linear thing. Exactly. So a linear thing is not going to get you out of it. So but, if it's more like this. But um, <laughs> some other things can. I mean, by just changing, changing the way you, you look at things, changing the way you approach things that, I mean, it, from, from Buddhistic philosophy, the Buddha once said, attachment, attachment is the cause of all suffering. Right. That, that's the statement. So attachment to outcome, I mean, that's, that's that slippery slope where you're setting yourself up to be frustrated and anxious and disappointed. And mm -hmm. as opposed to what we've always been proponents of is be present, be authentic, be in the moment. So I guess to me, one of the things that the way you start is you ask yourself, what am I attached to? Yeah, I was thinking that too. Like we think about attachment to an outcome, but there's also attachment to the feedback from our mate. So yeah, we're all yeah. we are all driven by a desire for esteem. So we yeah. want to be esteemed by our mate. So when we're we're not feeling it from the mate, we have to ask ourselves, you know, what is it that I'm really frustrated about not receiving here, and how can I find it separate from my mate, so that I'm so I come to this place complete already. Right. Because the attachments that we have often will distract us from the solutions. Yeah. Cause there, which means that we're saying there's a solution. There is. And here you go. Let's go with this. Because this is one of the things, that, one of the best things I think a person can do is that you ask yourself, what am I attached to? You know, just mm -hmm. in general. And then you kind of try to be cognizant through several days and and just ask yourself that question. And the whole goal is be willing to receive some answers that make you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, be willing to kind of address yourself, con uh, confront yourself. And the things, things you would want to ask yourself are, what do you complain about? What mm -hmm. agitates you? What frustrates you? What makes you anxious? What do you try to control? What do you fear losing? What are you afraid you won't get enough of? Or where do you keep getting stuck? Or what makes you feel confused? And a lot of it is tied to pain. You know, we just, we have this pain that we think we can avoid. But mm -hmm. the interesting thing is pain is an unavoidable part of life. Yeah. And it doesn't have to break us. No, it doesn't. And it's, it's actually healthy. It sure. serves a role. I mean, my daughter who's six came out last night. We're sitting there watching the basketball game. And she came out an hour after her bedtime and she said, daddy, I hurt. I'm like, really? What? And so she's just explaining where. And it's like, baby, you're growing. 
That's what that is. That's exactly what that sounds like. I still vividly remember my growth spurt was uh, senior year, high school, freshman year, college. I think I grew like eight inches. Oh, so you were not very tall most of high school. <laughs> when I got my driver's license at 16, I was 5'5", 115. Wow. And then when I married my wife, mm-hmm. seven years later, I was 6'1". Wow. 170. I didn't gain a whole lot. I was still a stick. Yeah. But, <laughs> Paul was too, 6'1", 170. Yeah, but I still remember laying in bed at night with my legs just aching 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 because i was growing so growing brings its own discomfort exactly and if you're going to have a better relationship if you're going to have better sex if you're going to have a better life there Mm -hmm. has to be within you an ability to tolerate discomfort for the sake of growth well i love that exercise you just mentioned and i tell people the same thing write it all down write down every single thing that's bugging you from all those ugly wires hanging from the computer to the fact that you're not sure how you're going to pay your bills yeah. you know what i mean whether they seem huge or whether they're tiny write them all down and and then if it's regarding a person you know write down what is it you can't stand about what your mate's really doing and it, the answers are so surprising because on one hand you'll be shocked that a ton of this stuff you can fix quickly yep, yep. And then a lot of the other stuff, you're going to find out it's not your mate you're furious with. It's yourself. Yeah. And some of it is phase-oriented as well. Sure. I mean, because we have moments of being off kilter. I mean, I've had had the last three days. Today's been good. Three days prior. (laughs) Just this low threshold of annoyance. (laughs) That's the only way I can think of it. The simplest things would just set me off. And I have no idea why. And finally, mm. after about a day and a half, that Pam came and said, what is wrong with you? Because I'm typically the real even-keeled, can handle almost anything that goes on, can handle our kids, you know, all these things. She's the one that's kind of the reaction one, you know, if you will. Yeah. And I just had this kind of withdrawn, right. sour, grumpy kind of a thing. And, and, and it wasn't the whole day it was just moments during the day of just kind of this is just pissing me off or what's that you know just these simple things and i have no idea why it's just Mm -hmm. and she's like well you need to get in a better mood because you suck right yeah you tell him pam (laughs) and she did and so it was like (laughs) i know honey and if i knew what it was i would just take care of it right away you know but i don't know and and I think it's just, you just have cycles. You just have times when you're just off. And let yourself just be off. You don't have to run to medication. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to run to therapy. Just be off. And if it's, if it's not gone in a couple of days, well then, all right, seek out something. Ask some questions. Talk to people you care about that know you and say, hey, something's not right. Help me think through some things. And then see what comes up. Yeah. Yeah. And just admit, I'm really agitated and I don't know why. So yeah. it takes time. I, I agree. Because it seems like we haven't, our society is not allowed, allowing people to have permission to just have moods anymore. Well, I think I disagree. Please I do. Think our, yeah, I think our society is all about, you know, don't bottle in your emotions, let it all out. And I, so I have to say that to, to show restraint and to step back is a way 
greater attribute of a leader than feeling like this is my mood, you know? So, <laughs> okay. I get what you're saying. Yeah. But I'm, I'm coming at it more from the idea of, Oh, you, are you down? Take this pill. That'll oh. fix it. <laughs> yeah. You know, cause it's, it's so funny. I was listening to the radio the other day and this morning show, people were talking about the commercialization of medication and those, sh- and those commercials work great because it's the whole, are you ever sad sometimes? Well, yeah. well, yeah, I'm sad. <laughs> well, do you sometimes get frustrated? But well, well, yeah. Well, then you need to take. Oh, well, okay. You know, and it's just. <laughs> yeah, there's a pill for this. I can be cured. I'm no, so, so. you can't, because then there's another commercial right after that. Is such and such pill side effects really bothering you? Well, then take this pill. You know, and and it seems like we're trying to get take the humanness out of us, and the fact that we have ebbs and flows and swings of things and that's okay that's what happens in your relationship isn't it sure you go through an ebb and flow yeah so the more we can embrace the big picture as perfect the better and the more we can get a realization that don't have an attachment to the outcome that we will be in perfect harmony all the time i mean are you familiar with the research of you know if you think of the most synergistic relationship there is I guess would be mother infant mother child mm-hmm. where they you should just you would think that those things they just came from one and mm-hmm. became two that an infant would be in harmony and in sync with mom oh good point but yeah. even what research has found is that's only about 33 percent of the time <laughs> that they are in harmony and in sync the rest, you're off sync, off kilter. You're not connecting. Well, wouldn't you think as we get older, that would be even a lower percentage? Yeah, so absolutely. Give each other permission to just not be clicking sometimes. Yeah, yeah. We all, you know, to use a quantum physics aspect of it, we're all vibrating at our own frequency. You know, <laughs> exactly. So sometimes when we we're around somebody, we say, "Man, we just click with them," or we're just. You know, it, well, then you're kind of really are, like you said, harmonious. Other times, man, we're just, you know, if Paul comes home, he's dealing with all the stuff from work. That is on a really dysfunctional plane. He's got to come home and yeah, and re- regroup. Yeah, and sometimes you use each other for that, and that's where the leading following helps. Yeah. That, that you come home and you say, hey, I need to talk through some things. Right. And, and have the respect for your spouse to, to actually say it like that rather than just, well, you're my spouse, so therefore you should listen to me, which that's a lot of unspoken stuff that I think we do. Say, hey, I need to help sort through some things. Can you help me? And then they can say, yeah, or not right now, but can we meet in 20 minutes, an hour, bedtime, whatever, and then let's do it. And it's just the idea of, again, it's kind of that idea of play to each other's strengths. Yep. Take a lead. Because some people like to sort things out outside and out, out loud. Some people right. want to internalize it and process it. Absolutely. So give each other permission to be each other. All right. So how about uh, taking the lead or not taking the lead sexually? Well, this goes into the whole idea to me of the high desire, low desire, that a majority of the lead is going to be on the high desire. So let's speak to the low desire spouse for a minute then. Let's say you see your higher desire spouse come home and there is a lot of tension there and frustration. 
why why not initiate just out of the goodness of your heart to to bless and you know that would be a form of giving okay and that could be yeah i think it's i think it's worth experiment i think it's worth a challenge to the low desire spouse yeah to look at how to be generous some big study came out last year and in the last few months, you know, they showed generosity might even be more important than sex in a marriage. You're like, where more than sex do you have opportunity to show generosity? (laughs) You know? Yeah. So ask yourself, how generous have I been going beyond my comfort zone simply to be an encourager, simply to build up my mate, simply to make them feel great. Where have I done it? So if you're the low desire mate, why not say, guess what? I'm just going to love on my spouse, get them naked, make them happy because I want to. Yeah. That is, that satisfies two core driving needs. The need, like you said, for power, which is really a core driver for every successful person mm-hmm. to, to influence our immediate space. And the more space we can influence, the greater our leadership. And also that desire for love. Mm-hmm. Every one of us wants to be loved and connected. So why not take the lead and speak our mate's language if that's what it is? Well, and let me go even a step shorter than that. One of the things that in the blow up my marriage class that I do, one of the homework assignments for couples that are in there, and this is really specifically this targets the women, but this works for both. All right. Is invite your partner into, invite yourself into your, his presence or her presence. You know, it's the idea of, you know, your spouse gets home or you're, you're home and, and you're together and you typically are kind of parallel worlds. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's kind of the way a household functions, it seems. So take some time at, and be very diligent with it and invite your partner into your presence or vice versa. You know, it's just the idea of if my wife was in there working on something or, or dealing with something, I would just go in and sit with her and just kind of be aware of my senses, be aware of my presence, be aware of hers, and kind of see where that leads. Don't go in with an agenda. Go in with just the idea of I'm going to just be present. And what I've heard from a lot of people that have, that, that have done this is, is they've tried it like in the morning where they had kind of a leisurely morning and normally they'd get up and hit the ground running and they got the busy schedule and off they go. Well, they've tried it in the morning of just alarm goes off, reach over, you turn it off and you just kind of lay with your partner for a little bit. Right. And usually that leads to sex. You know, it's one of those, you're kind of both in a pretty good calm state. Mm -hmm. So just be present and see where it goes. It may or it may not. Doesn't matter. The point is be present, listen, connect, and so the challenge is inviting yourself into their space? Well, no, it's, it's, it's really just being present with them. Oh. That's the idea. Because if you think about it, so much of the time we interact with other people, we have an agenda. Right. That we're not aware of them. We haven't yeah. toned ourselves down enough to, to hear them and us. Yeah. So some ways to do that are to really get in touch with all your senses in that moment. Yeah. You know, breathing, what you see, what you hear, what you feel. Well, and it, the, the cool thing is when you can quiet your mind yeah. in those things and your agenda and you let go of the attachment, you know, you take your expectations and you toss them in the ocean and you just watch them float away. The cool mm-hmm. thing is you can sense 
the connection. You can yes. sense the value. You can sense the importance of the relationship. And I think that's really what we're talking about. Yeah, I, I think that's really sweet. I'm th You know, I love it. It is easy in the mornings. That's a cool Saturday, Sunday morning thing. I'm thinking how it would look and feel on a busy weeknight. Um, so it's interesting. Well, you know. one of it could be you just um, you just disconnect from technology. Well, exactly. And I think it, it, it requires an invitation. Yeah. I mean, there was no, I, you know, I wouldn't ask during the final four. <laughs> hey, you want to connect tonight? Like, well, but no, but even that, though, I mean, if, if I'm sitting there, obviously, my wife is a big fan, too. Right. Because we both are from Kansas. But if she wasn't that much of a fan. A big thing could have been I'm in there watching the game. She could have come and just sat next to me mm -hmm. and and done this whole thing that, at that time. Watching yeah, the game, but kind of being, but being present, being connected. Yeah. That's different than just watching a game together. Yeah, I'm telling you, this is an exercise in tuning in for everybody. It is. And it's something I'm trying to work on in my life with everybody I, inter I interact with. Of just kind of sensing what's going on before they say anything. I think that if, it, I know people that can do that. They just see it. They feel it. And they trust their gut. I know that. And a big key to that really is to be so aware of another person. I've noticed that, you know, when I'm busy and my kids would come up, sometimes I'd stop and I'd do exactly what you're saying. I'd look at, I would take on their countenance mm -hmm. on my face. I would pattern their same breathing. I'd pattern their same, you know, cadence of talk. Not like I'm mocking them, but literally, if you if you take on it's exactly the same, like, well, to go back to a sports analogy, if you'll take on the posture of how you stood and felt and were breathing your countenance in your very peak performance, you'll repeat that performance. Because right. your psychology follows your physiology. Mm -hmm. So the same thing with connecting with your mate. Ta if you take on their physiology, you'll, you will uncannily tune into how they're feeling. And you can also lead them. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> all that is taught in sales training, <laughs> but how you, to pattern and then leave. But you can. I mean, I've, I've done this. This is one of the most fascinating things. Is I used to work at a high school as a crisis counselor. And okay. so I was a crisis and support counselor. So I became known as the guy that anytime when someone was having a panic attack, anytime someone was, you know, just major stressed out for okay. performance usually, they would come to my office, which was actually just a closet in the main hallway. <laughs> But it was a place where they could just kind of come, unwind, relax. And I had a girl come in. She was a junior. And she came in, and she was in the midst of a panic attack. And I had just learned about this whole idea of the connecting on, on, a, on a deeper psychological, right. you know, spiritual almost way. And so she came in, and she's talking, and her breathing was real shallow and fast. And, and so as she's talking, I'm conscious of, okay, I'm matching her. I'm going to mirror her exactly. And I did, and I got to where my breathing pattern was the same as hers, my, my tone was the same as hers, and everything. And then I intentionally started slowing my breathing down. Right. And taking deeper breaths, talking a little slower, a little softer. And she did naturally. She just <laughs> kind of followed where I went. You can do the same thing I've heard when you're, if your spouse is sleeping next to you. If they're asleep, you can kind of mirror their breathing, and you can kind of change it a little bit. It's, it's pretty <laughs> crazy. So when he's awake <laughs> well obviously yeah you want that to maybe lead to something else but 
it, it, that's the connection as humans we can have. That is so funny. So if you're in sales, everything we just said will help you sail more. But isn't marriage the ultimate salesmanship? We are selling ourselves to our mate saying, here I am, you know, so, want me. So I want if, you if, to I'm, want me. if I'm jazzed, yeah. could I mirror my wife and up her jazzedness? Absolutely. Awesome. I'm trying that out tonight. I know. <laughs> I, I'm trying. I'm, I'm I probably won't tell you what all I tried. Yeah, but... yeah, okay. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> no. And at that note. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I think there has to be a leader and a follower. And a follower yeah. and a leader. And they change roles. I mean, it's and, not like... And we change hats all the time. All the time. It's very dynamic. That's the elegance life. of marriage. Yes. It's the yes. elegance of family. Let's play to each other's strengths. Know your role, know your responsibilities, and do them from the best in you. And everybody's a winner. Right? It's very good. It's good good life. This is Sexy Marriage Radio. We're glad you jumped on board with us again. Yep. So go mirror your mate and lead them somewhere magical. (laughs) We'll talk to you next time. Bye, everybody.